verses 1 through 11. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountain, and after he sat down, disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who are hungry and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Oh God, we pray that our hearts and our minds and our, and our ears are open to hearing your spirit move through this place and through us. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, several weeks ago, I had my car packed. It was all ready to go with healthy snacks, several pair of sweatpants, and way too many books for one person to read in a week's time. Super dorky me couldn't wait to go on my vacation. My vacation, you ask? Well, I was headed to the Abbey of Gethsemane, a Trappist monastery, for a silent retreat that was to last the entire week. It was at this monastery where I would spend the week in silence. I would refrain from talking for five whole days alongside these monks who had committed to doing this for the rest of their lives, and about 30 other people who chose to spend their week in silence. Having done this same retreat the year before, I eagerly anticipated the quiet. I could not wait to get away, and I was especially excited to spend one-on-one -on -one time with God for an entire week without any worldly distractions. Let's just say last year when I went on this retreat, I did not have this same level of excitement. Last year, I was filled with great anxiety over not being able to have conversations with anyone for a week. I thought for sure that my overactive mind would get the better of me because I wasn't going to be able to release my thoughts into the air through speech. Last year, on the first night of this silent retreat, it was the most awkward for me. I didn't know what to do, and dinner was the worst. <laughs> How do you sit in a room full of people eating, sharing a meal, and not talking. It was so strange, and it was so uncomfortable. It was new, and I was incredibly unsure of myself. I wonder what the people 
were thinking when they heard Jesus speaking the words that I just read today. We commonly call these the Beatitudes. Talk about new. This group of marginalized, ostracized, downtrodden, forgotten people weren't accustomed to having blessings poured upon them. Those were reserved for the rich, the wealthy, the important in society. How on earth did Jesus' words affect them? Were they feeling awkward and uncomfortable? Or perhaps they began to see themselves in a different way. Did they behave differently after digesting what Jesus had said? Did they begin to make different decisions or see others in a new way? Did they feel comforted and full of hope hearing these words from Jesus? Or perhaps were they like many of us who hear a decent sermon and think to ourselves, that was nice, but don't really make any changes in our lives? I've heard a lot of really good sermons throughout my life. I've heard a lot of mediocre sermons, and I've heard one or two pretty bad sermons along the way as well. I don't know about you, but the sermons that touch my heart in a new way are generally the ones that cause me to pause, to take stock of my life and my faith, and invite me to change. In the first few chapters of Matthew, we see Jesus' ministry building. It's growing as he's attracting more and more people. His message, his charisma, and who he is appealed to so many people. You may recall from last week, Pastor Lou preached on Jesus calling the first disciples. As Jesus called these first men, he told them he was going to teach them how to fish for people. And as Jesus is teaching these new disciples how to fish for people, people are drawn to him. The sick, the diseased, the desperate, they all flock to Jesus. Not only are they unwell, but they've been excluded from their communities. And Jesus, Jesus takes time to heal them. It's in this healing that people are restored, restored to health, restored to their families, their communities, restored to wholeness. It is after this period of many healings that we find Jesus looking at this crowd that had gathered. He moves to the top of the mountain, and Jesus begins to speak. The Beatitudes are at the beginning of what we commonly refer to as Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. The sermon will go on through uh, Matthew chapter 7 and include things like the Lord's Prayer and basic tenets of discipleship. But before Jesus shares any of that, Jesus tells this gathered crowd that they are blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who want righteousness and those who are merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart, the peacemakers, the persecuted, and those who are reviled because of their faith. What does this even mean to be blessed? Some Bibles translate the word blessed as happy. So does that mean we're to be happy when we mourn 
or are merciful or feel poor in spirit, we tend to use this word blessed very casually, quite possibly because I think broader society has gotten a hold of the word and distorted the original meaning. Many associate being blessed with good fortune, which could lead to happiness, and while there's nothing wrong or bad with being fortunate, it is not the same as being blessed. Blessing is so much deeper than being fortunate. It is so much deeper than being happy. It's not circumstantial. A blessing is a gift from God. Jesus is blessing those whom society has cast aside, those who have been excluded from society and their communities. To be blessed is to be a part of God's kingdom. Jesus is telling this group of people that God wants them, that God loves them, that they are included in God's kingdom now and in the future. What would it be like to hear that? That the world as it is structured by humans may not put much stock in your worth, but God, God finds you necessary for the kingdom. You know what's interesting and what I find a bit sad? Our society has taken the concept of self-worth and we've distorted that into egotism. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to who struggle with seeing themselves as good and beautiful and created by God. It seems that seeing yourself in this way somehow means you have too big of an ego. Friends, please hear me on this. To see yourself as created in God's own image, as beautiful and included, does not mean you are being driven by your ego. It means that you have a healthy relationship with God, and you can see yourself in relation to God and relation to the world. This is freeing. When you understand it, this, the ways of the world just aren't that important anymore. You feel different, you act different, and you treat others as if they, too, were created in God's very own image. I am someone who is drawn to the Christian mystics. The Christian mystics write about their transcendent experiences with the divine. And as someone who experiences Christ in inexplicable ways, their writings make sense to me. They encourage me not to limit how I experience and see God. One of the reasons I am drawn to their writing is because I am taught how to see myself as created by God, how to see others as created by God, and how to see every aspect of the world as God's. One of the gifts of coin on a silent retreat is actually being able to hear God in the midst of the silence. Because I'm not talking or listening to other people, I get to hear God in deeper and more profound ways. God spoke to me in the crunch of the leaves as I would hike in the woods. God's voice came through the pages of the words of the books I would read and through the scriptures that popped into my head. 
The overarching message that I have received from God each time I've gone on a silent retreat is, I love you. I love you not because you preach. I love you not because you followed my call on your life. I love you not because of anything you've done or anything you've failed to do. I love you simply because I created you. Author and Christian mystic Henry Nouwen says that when we say to someone, I love you, what we're really saying is, you are a window through which I can get a glimpse of the infinite love of God. I'll repeat that. When we say to someone, I love you, what this really means is you are a window through which I get a glimpse of the infinite love of God. At our Wednesday morning Bible study uh, class this week, someone posed the question, what do you mean when you tell someone they are a blessing to you? It's a good question, and it's one I've been chewing on all week. What does it mean to tell someone they are a blessing to you? As I think about the ways that Jesus delivered the Beatitudes and to whom he was delivering them, along with the quote from Henry Nouwen, I would answer that question by saying, when I say to you, you are a blessing to me, what I really mean is that you are loved by God and by me, and it is through you that I get to see I am also included in God's family. This brings me hope, makes me feel secure, and I'm full of gratitude. I'm a better person because God drew us together. The ways that God works through various people absolutely astounds me. Did you know the monks at the Abbey of Gethsemane have seven worship services every single day? They begin their day at 3.15. Yes, that's 3.15 a.m. They pray or chant through all 150 psalms every two weeks throughout the course of these worship services that they have. They read scripture, they sing hymns, they pray prayers, and the incredible part of these worship services is that they are meant to be a blessing for everyone. These monks are literally praying for the entire world. It is humbling and it is beautiful to be a part of it. During worship services at the Abbey, the monks sit in the front of the sanctuary and the guests, people like me on retreat, sit in the back of the sanctuary and we're divided by a glass uh, half wall partition. So last year, when I didn't know what to expect, I found myself on my first night at the last worship service of the evening right before bed. As with each of the other services, the monks chanted through the psalms, they prayed for the world, and they sung hymns. At the end of this particular service, one of the monks came forward and opened the doors to the glass partition. 
I looked around confused as to what I was supposed to be doing at that point, and because I couldn't ask anyone, I just watched what some of the others were doing that seemed to understand, and I followed suit. So at this service, we all lined up and walked to the front of the sanctuary. At the front of the sanctuary stood one of the monks, and he was swinging some sort of metal contraption. I had no idea what it was or what we were doing, but I was uh, convinced that I was going to take part in this full experience. And so I watched as each person before me stopped, stood in front of the monk, and then bowed. And as each person bowed, the monk would swing the metal contraption over the person. When my turn came, I did exactly as I had seen each person before me doing. I walked forward, I bowed, and I waited. As the water droplets sprinkled over my head, tears immediately sprung to my eyes as I realized what was happening. I was being blessed. I was being reminded that through my baptism, I am included in a part of Christ's family. The message of the Beatitudes is for all of us. In some way, shape, or form, we are the crowd gathered on the mountain, desperate for Jesus to heal us, desperate for Jesus to see us. Don't we all want to be seen? Think about children, how they go around and pester and irritate their parents, just looking for attention. We don't outgrow this. And when we forget or we don't believe that God loves us and sees us, we have the tendency to get off track. And it's then that we begin to construct ways that keep others down in order to falsely build ourselves up. We separate ourselves and include some while excluding others. This is not the message of Jesus, our Christ, who invites and includes all. When we really believe that God sees us and loves us, not because of anything we did or didn't do, but simply because we are created as gods, we have the tendency to become softer and more compassionate. We care less about excluding others. And it is through this internal change that our circles become wider and wider as we genuinely begin to reflect God's inclusion of all. This is God blessing us and us sharing that blessing with others. So who do you know that might need to be reminded or perhaps told for the first time that they are blessed. A friend, a coworker, a neighbor, maybe it's a stranger, maybe it's someone in your family, your parents, your children, an aunt, an uncle, cousins, maybe even it's you. Blessed are you who is exhausted as you care for your chronically ill loved one. Blessed are you who is exhausted because you are chronically ill. Blessed are you who struggles with your mental health. Blessed are you who drinks too much. Blessed are you who is overweight. 
and blessed are you who is underweight. Blessed are you who wonders how you're going to pay all of your bills this month. Blessed are you who has filed for bankruptcy. Blessed are you who has disappointed someone you love, and blessed are you who has been disappointed. Blessed are you who is lonely, gay, abused, widowed, estranged, quiet, loud, complicated, forgotten, closeted, poor, rich, or brokenhearted. Blessed are you, for God loves you, and God includes you. In just a moment, we're going to be moving to the table of grace as we receive Holy Communion today. It was and is Jesus' message that we are all invited to receive his love, his reconciliation, his restoration through his life, his death, and his resurrection. As we prepare for this feast, let us take a moment in prayer as we center our hearts and our spirits to receive this gift. God, open us up to receiving all of the ways you have blessed us. Remind us, as hard as it is to believe, that we are an integral part of your kingdom. 